Saw John. Yeah. <laughs> Not many people know who you are, man. <laughs> Welcome to I'm the already, show. I've been on the show. Were those not good episodes? They didn't get any views? No, that was back when nobody cared about us, and they still really don't, but it's, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, <coughs> thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know who you are, I think I just kind of introduced you, right? But yeah. Hey, you need to get up on that mic. Pull that mic. Well, I don't know how sensitive these are, because some of them, if you eat the mic, it just... It just F's up the sound quality. No, man, pull that thing. You can pull it. Like, like, can you... I just like... Just like what? Don't, like no, don't. like how? <laughs> Pull it. Like you can. You see what yeah. I'm saying? No, I, I, I really. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, you can lean out on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep that sucker right up, right up on your face. Suck on it. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? So, yeah. how old are you now? You are twenty. What? Twenty years of age. God dang, man! You're almost twenty-one. Have you had any alcohol yet? Uh, well, I mean, like. I haven't really made a habit out of drinking um, for me personally. <clears throat> As for, I don't know, any alcohol I've had. I don't know, maybe a, a little bit of wine with mom and dad if they were, you know, I don't know, just out of, out of you know. On the know. anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Nothing nothing really more than that. So alcohol seems to be a pretty big problem with teens nowadays. Um, I was watching this, these videos about these Chicago the kids in Chicago, have you been watching that at all? There's these ma- this massive swarm, apparently, of teenagers in Chicago who just, I don't know. It's I've like, seen they're, like, looting a bunch of Walmarts or something. I've seen yeah. videos of all the wa- – but I heard they're closing a bunch down, too. So is that, like, why they're going in? I know it's off-touch subject, whatever know. you're saying, no, that's, but that's, that's the video I've seen. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, it's a video. There's looting? What's happening? There's looting in Chicago. Is like it? It's Walmarts, Chicago, right? In the Walmarts, there's like they go into the store and the whole like store is like empty and like people broke in and like stole everything. Yeah. So right now it seems like Walmart. <laughs> okay. It seems like Walmart is shutting down a lot of its stores. For they shut down a lot of. I think all. I think Walmart closed all of its stores in Portland, Oregon. Right. Yeah. There's okay. like one main one. Yeah. Well, but there was, like, more than just one that they shut down, I believe. <laughs> and now in Chicago, they have these packs of teenagers running the streets. Silas, you were very recently a teenager. Yes. Yeah. Now you're a huge, what would you call yourself, a grown man, you think? <clears throat> um, would I call myself a grown man? <laughs> I think, think you're an adult I yet. think there's, you know, there's lots of room to grow, but I, I'm a pretty, you know, mature at this point, you know. This is the most mature I've been, so. Yeah. 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 So what do you think when you see children, like teenagers, for instance, the Chicago mayor, I, I watched a video of him talking to the press, and he goes, he because these kids, man, they're right, they're like destroying, it's, it's almost like the BLM movement all over again, they're just rioting, right? And his, one of his takes on it was, he said, oh, we can't take this out. We can't demonize children is what he said. But they're hoodlums. They're they're freaking running rampant in his city. We just they Chicago just lost Mayor Lightfoot, right? <laughs> so now they've got this new mayor. And he's letting it's it's like I don't know. It seems like children don't have any kind of simple respect anymore for anything. Well, they don't have a lot of guidance from the adults because what's happened 
is what it looks like to me is um <clears throat> we've um we've romanticized the idea of you know retaining our youth and we haven't emphasized um the importance of actually growing up and taking responsibility you know nobody wants to get oh like you're supposed to like stay young as much as you can like mm. live free you know no responsibilities true and um without that kind of um that kind of direction in your life you know you don't you don't end up in very good places so. yeah that's really true that's kind of the the model that the adults have set for the children. Well, it's so strange because, like, that's your one job. Like, I mean, as a parent, that's your job is to guide your children. And it's kind of become so taboo because, like, now the idea is, like, let them figure it all out. It's like, well, that's, like, not a good model, you know? Like, because I went through life and I made all the mistakes and I want to be able to help my children to avoid some pitfalls and to make some better decisions than I did. And so it is your job as a parent to teach them something. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, you know, you need to let them figure it out. Don't tell them anything. Don't tell them, like, don't assign a gender to them. It's like, it's so ridiculous. Like, now, like, you like like you have a gender reveal, but why? Like, 10 years later, Bobby will be, you know, will be Susie. You know, like, what was that for? So, it's, it's ridiculous. How so, dare you assume his gender? Well, you know, and the thing about that, too, it's... The language they use is so strange to me. Like, it's very deceptive. Like, even the word assigned, you know, like, Mm. is, it's suggesting that this is something that, like, you could, you could randomize. Like, it was, like, it was a number that was handed out and it wasn't just an observation. Like, you could observe, right, that me and Jared have curly hair. Like, we weren't assigned curly hair at birth, you know. Like, 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 the language there is very deceptive. You know, and it's done like that intentionally because, like, if they own, if they own the words, like, if they own the terms, you know, then they can they can make it they can make it sound however they want. But I'm not gonna like I don't accept that people are assigned gender at birth. Like that's ridiculous. Like you're not assigned that. It's like we just we just we noticed that this one born was a male. We noticed that. We, we documented it. That's what it is. It's not a, it's not it's not being assigned to you. It's this fluid. By the doctors. It's this fluid thing, right? And and we brought this up, I think, in a podcast we were talking with Justin. How struggle seems like we live in a society where there is no struggle anymore. We have it way too easy, and so we find more and more things to complain about. When you have things easy, it's easy to look around and see what's wrong, right? You know, if if you're sitting on your couch and you're super comfortable and you're super relaxed, it's very easy to look around and go. <laughs> Where's the remote? Oh, this is terrible. Like, you start finding things to complain about. It's like you have no problems whatsoever in your life. Some people will fabricate problems out of nothing. And it seems like that's the kind of world that we're living in as Americans. And it's a huge problem because we're we're in such an incredible position when you when you look at the world globally. We're in such a, an incredible position and a fortunate position and we're squandering it because we refuse to look at the past. We refuse to look at history. We refuse to look back at the mistakes of other people and other cultures and civilizations. And we, we think that we're better than that. We are going to repeat. They say the past, if you don't history watch repeats it, itself. history is going to repeat itself, right? And we're in this phase right now 
where if you look back at other civilizations, you can see they went this exact same route. And we're failing to see all of the warning signs as we go down this road, right? So people have it so easy. In America, we have it really easy. So now we've almost created problems for ourselves. And when, when, when we create problems for ourselves, gender seems to be one of the ones that comes out. It's like, I need more attention, you know? I need more I need more people to pay attention to me so I'm going to I'm going to create this enticing image of my whatever I think is like this enticing image of myself, right? So they're going to have lab babies. When they start doing lab babies, they're going to be like, "Do you want a boy or girl?" Well, I want him to decide. I'm going to let the child decide. It's like <laughs> Well, uh, that doesn't work. We need to like now assign it a gender, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're the parent for a reason. You're putting, you, putting it in a test tube. <laughs> You you probably know about this more than more than either one of Silas or myself, but you've had children, right? Yeah. I remember having a conversation with you, Skis, and we were talking <laughs> about how we were talking about, well, you were saying, you know, I can't get angry at my children for making doing the same things that I did when I was young, right? Yeah. So why do you, why how come you think do you you think- can, but not like you don't want to be so biased on it, right? Because like you made the same mistake. So how it's hard to like tell them be not un- to do something you, that you were okay with doing. You should be understanding. That that's the thing. Yeah. You should be understanding, mm. and you shouldn't be a hypocrite about it. Oh, for sure. I think that's one thing that um, our dad did really well. Um, at least you know, for me, he would you know he would talk to me, and be like, yeah. I think you should do this, and I think you should do it this way. And I'll tell you why. He said, because I did it this way, and I did it the wrong way. He said, and he said, and this is not a good testimony. He's like, he said, I'm not proud of this. He said, but this is how I did it. I said, your dad was a dog. Dad said that to me. He said, I was a dog. He said, okay. <laughs> so um, I think that it made me have so much more respect for him because he was willing to be that honest with me about it. Mm. And it helped me get a different perspective on it because I knew he wasn't just trying to like, um, how would you say, impose tyrannical rules on me for no reason. Right. It's like, this is for a reason. Yeah. It's for a good reason too. And I, and I know why. I know why it needs to be done this way because I did it the wrong way. See, I think you're one of the very rare children that two two loving people can come together and have a bunch of children and every now and again they'll come out with one of you <laughs> you know where it's like one out of six <laughs> yeah yeah this child oh. actually respects and understands what i'm talking about so your perspective and the way that you understand the things that dad and mom are trying to teach you do you think any of that has to do with the fact that you were able to watch some of your older siblings as they, as they had already left the house, mm-hmm. me, Corey, the, re- the rest of us, right? You think that your understanding of the, the lessons that dad and mom were trying to teach you had anything to do with watching us, the rest of the children, as they were already going out into the world, making mistakes, coming back to our family gatherings like we were doing and being... We'd always, we, when we come back to our gatherings, you know, we're, we're like, God, this is so awesome yeah. being here with the family. Dad yeah. and mom were right. Yeah. You know, we come back to the house yeah. and we tell you these things. Yeah. So you and Jason were hearing <clears throat> that from a young age. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Or do you think that you are just the type of individual that 
100 percent. i mm. never did you ever resent dad growing up were you ever pissed did you ever hate the rules like um or no, did you just get it not even from young did i really hate any of the rules i really you know i just i'm a very family oriented person like there's mm. nothing more important to me than my family for the most part uh but as to your question uh, i would say definitely um it had a, a major impact on me um the fact that i was able to watch my older siblings go through life and get their feedback on things and what they thought about their younger selves and their mistakes you know because there had to be you know i was i was talking to Corey about this we, we spoke on the phone for like an hour last friday and i was like you know there had to be some advantage to being the little brother you all get to do it first but i get to watch you that's my advantage i get to watch you Oh, Corey did this. Mm, bad idea. Jared did that. Oh, this was a good idea. Oh, Seth did that. No, I don't do that. Nah, that's bad. Carmen did this. Oh, that was a cool idea. And mm. so um, I think the ability to learn vicariously has been um, immensely um, beneficial for me. And having you all as examples. And I think, too, it helps because I think you're all like you were already like outstanding people. And so the mistakes you made, you know, like dude you know it was so easy to like it's like yeah you know like i never made any mistakes i just want to throw that out there right right <laughs> well you know and it's like well what is a mistake exactly because a lot of times all you can do is make the best choice with the information you have but the thing is you either have so much information that like because you can't limit your options you don't really know what choice to make or you have so little information, it's like you don't, you know, really have enough context, you know, to make the best decision long term. So, um, right. I think, I think, doing the best you can with the best intentions all the time, you can't go too wrong, and the mistakes are just lessons and not, you know, not the end of the world. Right. So a lot of it also falls on the individual themselves, though, because. Like, I've even had friends that had, like, great families. Like, you could see it. And, like, I had some really bad friends, you know. And you could just see, like, how they treated them. Like, they're really good people. And he just turned out to be, like, a dirtbag still, you know. So some of it still instills, like, onto the people themselves, like, who they're going to be. Right. You know. You definitely take, like, responsibility for yourself also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so back to that question that I was asking you earlier, Errol. When you, when we were talking and you were, you were explaining that, you know, I can't get, how, how did you raise your children? Did you get angry at them when they made mistakes? Did you tell them I did this and you shouldn't do it? Or did you say, no, not necessarily. what was your approach? I just told them like, if I did things like, like he said, I more or less my oldest kid more because he's older. So he's like, understands it more at a younger age. I try not to like talk to him too much about the other stuff because i mean they're still like seeing that as they get older you know mm -hmm. but yeah like he said like i would talk to him about like to carter i would tell him you know like I, this is the way i did things i was like doesn't mean it's the way you should do it you know like if you want to like have a successful life and have things in life and like you can either go the way like you said you got you got roads to fall right you can either take a left and go this way or you take a right and go this way. You can have these things on this side, or you can have, you know, the things you don't want on this side. Right. You know which way you're going to go. Like, mm -hmm. that's your decision to make, ultimately. 
I told him, you're going to decide what you want to do. I'm just going to give you the keys, right? To like, to the ride, right? Like, yeah, this is, I'm telling you from past experiences how it affected me and like what it did for me. Now you take that and take it with the way, you know, take it with a grain of salt, whatever you want, whatever you want to do with it. True. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to, like, like I said, he had told him like, if you do this, bad things can happen, right? Like you got to ultimately be willing to like, you can go do drugs and do all this stuff. And you know, you're going to make that choice if you want to. They also know that you going to prison is like, that's probably one of the best bets that's going to happen in the future. You know, like it's only time till something bad happens. Right. True. So like, I mean, cause he's going to be an adult. He's going to make his own choices. You know, I can only, like you said, you can only steer him and tell him like, you know, do you want to have money? <clears throat> do you want to have nice things? Then go do this. Like right. if you do these things, you're not going to get those things. Yeah. No, I think, I think, <laughs> uh, I think, a a gentler approach when it comes to the way you speak to him is a good idea, but then actually being an example, like preaching what you practice or practicing what you preach rather. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things, um, one of the things I really liked about mom and dad and the way they, they taught us things was they wanted us to behave well, but they didn't want to be the reason that we behave well. And that's what's really valuable because it comes down to the individual and their choices and them taking responsibility. And so if you're the reason someone behaves well, as soon as you walk out of the room, then they have no more... They have no more reason for following rules and actually acting in their own best interests. Mm. You know, a lot of times like the rules that they don't, especially if they don't understand the rules. So you have to, you have to allow them to make their own decisions in that way with, without being so heavy handed about it. Right. And that was the thing that I really appreciated about mom and dad. See, I felt like they were pretty heavy-handed. And that's another thing, too, yeah. I think that's what Dad learned. Yeah. Because I got a different dad than you got. You kind of did. I did. You got a more experienced one. Yep, yep. (laughs) There's definitely situations where you, like, want to lay the fear God into them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's definitely those times. Well, you have three children. Were you easier on the younger one, maybe? The last one, your daughter, right? You think you're a little tougher? But I think at the same time, that's hard to say because she's also, I'm not saying that like gender should be a thing, right? But like her being my daughter, it's, it definitely is, it's different. It's different. It's different than talking to the boys. You went easier. You do because she's your daughter and I I can't even explain it, man. Yeah. It's just the way, it's just because it is. (laughs) I get that. It makes sense. It it doesn't and it does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important to have parents who understand mm-hmm. the dynamics between, you know, I'm the parent, you're the child, and I have responsibilities to train you up in a specific way, and I understand those responsibilities, and I want you to be a productive and a respectful member of society, and like you said, I don't want my presence around you to be the only reason that you behave and when Mm -hmm. you're out of my presence all of a sudden you act like a fool just like these children that are running around in chicago exactly exactly um which which the odd part about that is a lot of children who act ridiculous (laughs) and crazy you find out they're allowed to have that same exact behavior in front of their parents Mm -hmm. which is even more disturbing yep 
because it's like how how do you as a parent for me tolerate that oh my god man we have a cat okay <laughs> we have a little cat me and my girlfriend have this cat right and he sometimes yeah he, he'll he'll bite like she'll she'll my girlfriend she'll be walking around the house and he'll bite her leg as she walks by you know he doesn't ever do that to me okay he knows better because he's tried it and i've disciplined him very quickly and i tell her and 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 there's all these 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 you can look online and there's these cat doctors and cat gurus and they'll say don't tell your cat no never say no to a cat never do this never i don't care when he steps out of line i don't like to see that <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's not because i'm a dictator mm-hmm. it's not and i'm not i'm not rude to him or anything i'm mm-hmm. not i don't beat the cat nothing like that but i make sure that he understands what you did was wrong, and we're not going to repeat that, okay? Mm-hmm. So to a certain extent, you have to take that approach with children if yeah. you're going to have them, right? I agree. Okay, mm-hmm. your children, they're, we, I'm, we all know how malleable children's brains are. You know, it's, it's, I always go back to this analogy. It's like if we were to send off, like let's say your son, right, or any of anyone, if we were to send off a bunch of group of young men to the military and we tell them when they get there <laughs> – doesn't matter what you do. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. We're not going to teach you how to use these guns. We're not going to teach you how to drive this Humvee. We're not going to teach you how to pull the pin on the grenade and all any of this. We're just, let's just get in there and, you know, do what you want to do. We'll go at your own pace, okay? And then we go to war, <laughs> okay? And we're obviously going to lose. And, and all of us go, well, why wasn't our military capable? Why the hell didn't you train them? And we look at them and we go, <laughs> You don't want a world with rules in it, okay? You want everybody to be, be able to make up their own reality. You want that's and you're teaching your children that. That's how we're training up our children right now. A lot of people are coming with are coming to our children with the approach of it's all your decision. Whatever you want. I don't want to piss you off. You're a little kid. Yeah. Well, you know? it's just it's such a bad idea. Like just think of like if we applied that logic to anything else like to science, anything else like, hey, like you gotta, you gotta, all right, you need to reinvent the wheel every time. Basically, is what we're telling our kids, mm-hmm. and that's just such a waste. What a horrible way to raise children, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, How? yeah, you're giving them nothing to start with. You know, you got to give them something. It goes back to what you said at the beginning of this podcast about people romanticizing. What was it, youth or? Yeah, youth, and yep, yep. So it's like adults. We what we do, what we live in right now, is a world full of adults who do not want to grow up and mm-hmm. never understood how to grow up and never learned how to grow up, never embraced growing up. Right. That's one of the things I was right. on the phone talking to Corey recently about you. Mm-hmm. And me and Corey were talking about how proud we are that you grew up, you became a man so quick. Like how he is right now. He was this way when he was ten. <laughs> we were like, what the hell is going on with this dude? You know. But it's adults there are many adults mm-hmm. who never for whatever reason i wanted you can ask mom and dad yeah. i told them when i was 10 years old when i was 12 I'm 11 a, oh i'm a grown man yeah. i always say that to my parents <laughs> you know because i wanted yeah. to be so badly i wanted to be a good example and you know what that's that's one of those things and i'll say something that kind of sounds weird that i wouldn't normally say but being a man is something you get to decide now it's you know i don't mean that in mm. a technical scientific sense but if you take, for example, um, <clears throat> in the Bible where it says, um, when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
Yeah. And so that's when you become a man. And so what is it to be a child? Well, you don't have responsibilities. Basically, people take care of you, right? So when you accept responsibility, voluntarily you take on responsibility, that's when you become a man. So what being a man to me is, it means taking responsibility for everything in your life every day to consider the highest good and the well-being of others before your own. That's what that means mm. to me. I like that. And it's a, it's a perfect definition of one of the major things that we're missing in a lot of men right now. Okay, Men are not willing. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to the romanticizing thing. It's the, the culture of having children has changed too. Like people don't have children children almost for the same reasons they had them before right <clears throat> like your older kids now right like you're saying these these kids well the parents want the schools to basically raise them mm-hmm. they want to have the kids because they want the image of being the family and having the things and looking like a family right mm-hmm. but do they actually care about their family like you say like he said like i like he says that we're like you know, I, the thing I care about the most is my family, but a lot of those families aren't really family orientated. They're not mm-hmm. like, I would die for my family. Like a lot of them, people probably these days would throw their family to the curb, right? Mm-hmm. Hate their family. And that's mm-hmm. probably a lot of that too. And and the parents want, you know, they're letting, to the most point, technology has, I think, to a part, played a part in it also. Well, technology does a lot of parenting yeah. now. And then- Well, they think it does. They think it does. Well, yeah. I mean- <laughs> It's a bad supplement. It really is a bad supplement. Like you give the kid the phone so you don't have to deal with them, you know, right? That kind of, you know, you don't actually have to entertain the children. Um, And that's another thing too is like, okay, so you look at this like, okay, so more and more both parents are working, right? So you don't have one parent that's more free, you know, who's home with the kids, which would typically be the wife, you know, but it could be either one. And then with both parents working, kids go to school okay Mm. so kids are in school so basically you actually don't really get to teach your kids anymore it's whatever the school does and i think that might be an intentional maneuver it's terrifying because then you don't get to recapitulate your beliefs and your your life lessons and your your ideology or your religion into your kids lives it's whatever's in the education system and a lot of it's trash a lot of it's trash a lot of it's low quality what they teach now and yeah it, kids don't learn in those systems very well either we've turned raising children into a government affair mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's the scary part because once the government gets involved with your children the government is a business right the united states government the united states a wasteful is a business, business yeah. a very wasteful enslaving business you know <laughs> to the to the to the extent that we can call anything in america enslavement right But if you allow the government to raise your children, which is what we're essentially allowing the government to do right now. Well, everything's been made too easy. The people had good families, too, because this is the way I'm looking at it is like what people haven't had to do in a lot of years is struggle. Right. Everything's been made very easy and handed over and taken care of for you. So I think that's what's making as you say, the kids or families weak because they don't have to struggle. I'm not saying there isn't people that aren't struggling, but for the most part, things have been made way easier for everyone. It's true. So they haven't had to really work for anything 
they've done either. There's a lot more people getting <clears throat> ha- mm-hmm. a lot of handouts, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, Just because over. the no. conversation culturally has been about rights. It's been so much about rights. And one of the things that's been said um, in retort to that, which I really like, was that your rights are my responsibility. And so if we're just talking about rights, we're only having half of the conversation. Because if you have a right to this, then it's my responsibility to make sure I don't infringe on that, to make sure it's provided to you. So if we're having the conversation about rights, then that's half the discussion. And when it comes to responsibility, like, what does it mean to take responsibility? Like, you take responsibility when something matters. Mm. Unless you have a meaningful life. When things matter, right, then that's how you have a meaningful life. That means, that's, that's, that's the definition of a meaningful life. And those difficulties that you encounter when you're taking on responsibility are what forges you. Mm. And so without that responsibility, people are less and less resilient. And then you get really entitled, weak people. That's what you develop into, an entitled, weak person who wants more and more and can provide less and less to everyone else. That's true. And that's kind of where we find ourselves, right, in this country right now. Everyone read a book. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone should read more books. Unfortunately, we have to be – how far gone do you think we are as a country? If, if we're on a tipping scale and we say, oh, okay, well, if we put one more stone in this basket, this country's gone straight to hell. How many stones do we have? Do we have 10? We can put 10 more stones in this side and, and then we're at hell? Or do we just bef- have one? Like I said before, I think like something bad has to happen before something great happens, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're calling for it. a nuclear war right now. No, Steve. but I'm saying like for people to actually like have to like, it's true, and, and we have to ask the question, is that what we want? You'll make stronger people that way, if, as long as, like, not everyone's obliterated. Right, but do we, <laughs> we have to ask that, right? So it's like, yes, yeah. probably struggle, something, some catastrophe in this country. I'm not saying that that's what I want. I'm just saying I feel like that would make stronger people. Which, which, which sure. fight would we rather fight? Would we rather fight the people who have it too easy? And they're constantly coming up with new genders and they're constantly, they're allowing their children to do whatever they want and nobody cares. We all want to be young forever, you know, or do we want the world where we're at war with another country and everybody's united now. Mm -hmm. We're all getting along great, you know, but we are at war. But don't we have both of those? (laughs) Isn't that already all happening at once? I mean, I think (laughs) we have proxy war going on right now. But it only takes, like, like if you watch that interview, like I was saying, he said, it just takes the one madman, right? He's like, we're that close. It does. It's true. <laughs> Scary times. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, growing up, do you think harder lessons, like, when, when the parents were harder on you, tougher on you, and more strict, and didn't give you the options, right? They said, this is what you're going to do. Or do you think it benefited you more if they would sit you down, look you in your eyes, and explain it to you like you were almost an adult? Because I hear that going around a lot. A lot of adults will say, I talk to my children just like they were me, you know, like they're just just a grown man I'm talking to. I speak to my children like that. Which one of those do you think? Or do you think it's just this happy Mm -hmm. medium that we have Mm -hmm. to find? 
Well, as far as the way you speak to children, um, and parents apparently intuitively do this, most adults do when you encounter children, is you speak to them at a level that's slightly above the um, level of competency or um, how would you say their level of understanding mm. so that they're forced to learn a little bit when you talk to them, but not too much. Uh, so I think that's how you should speak to children. So you shouldn't speak like you shouldn't be just baby, baby talk. Like you got to speak to them because that's how they're going to speak. Like, you know, you need to speak at a higher level right. to elevate them. Right. So I think speaking to them as if they were adults in some capacity, yes, but you have to understand that they're not an adult and keep that in mind when you speak to them because you'll end up explaining things that they just won't understand. So be careful. Um, and then what I would say when parents are harder on kids, um, I mean, you can be pretty hard without being, without doing too much long-term damage, I think. But like what that looks like to me is like not, not abuse, you know, but like, I think you should have the highest standards for your children. You sh there's no reason you shouldn't have the highest ex expectations of them. Because right. why would you set the bar that low? Like set it high and if they miss, like it's still a success. That's the way I view it. Um, and what what that looks like to me too, like here's something, here's something that's funny actually. I think... <laughs> I think you'll like this. So when they were teaching, uh, when they would teach children, it was, uh, I think it was in Egypt. They used to do this and probably other places. Um, they would teach them something and then they would throw them in the river. <laughs> and it's because when you experience something traumatic after learning, you remember it. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. You remember it, right? <laughs> now, I'm not saying we should throw babies in the river, you know, or anything like that. But... When you experience something traumatic and you had to, you learn something that way, you remember that. You don't forget it. Oh, yeah. It's like if I were to put my hand on the stove. Right. It's hot. Right. It's a traumatic experience. I remember now that when it's red like that, I cannot put my hand on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just like when Tito bites my girlfriend's leg. Now he goes in his kennel. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, he gets put on punishment. Mm -hmm. I, I hold him and I look him in his eyes and I tell him no. <laughs> Every time I see yeah. him do something that I don't want him to do, I make sure he and I have a face-to-face -face confrontation mm -hmm. and he understands this is a moment for him, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that you need to be he needs yeah. to be aware of. Yeah, he didn't like that. Yeah. So not necessarily traumatic for him, but Right, right. I get 100% mm -hmm. what you're saying and I that's that's a Mhm. Mm uh, yeah, we shouldn't throw yeah. them in the river. But right, right. <laughs> Don't throw be, them in the river. There yeah. should be something. Okay? Right. You can't. Spray them with a bottle. Yeah, spray them mm -hmm. with a bottle. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. ne never heard that before. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because I know <laughs> it's one of those things I've learned um, where I work. Um, it's it's one of those jobs I like to say it's really easy to do it right, but it's so easy to do it wrong. You mm -hmm. know, And that's where people get caught up because it's so easy to do it wrong. And the way you do it right is you just have to pay attention. Yeah. And the thing is, like, people think of attention as, like, I don't know, it's, like, like willpower sometimes, like, and it's not. Attention is really, attention is focus, and focus is narrow, and it's limited. 
Yes. And so the thing is, you don't have unlimited attention. And so if I need to pay more attention to something and I can't, I'll say, well, what else am I paying attention to? Am I looking at my phone every five minutes? Okay, I put the phone away. That means automatically that attention has to go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. if I'm and if I'm looking at that, it's gonna go there. So it's like it's it's as silly as like like okay, I want to focus on this like or like I want to buy this thing. It costs forty dollars, and I have twenty dollars. And the answer is like spend my twenty dollars really hard. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, don't spend the other twenty dollars on the T-shirt you bought, and you'll have forty bucks. You know, and then you can buy the thing. So that's how I look at attention, right? <laughs> Throw that twenty dollars as hard as you right. can. Throw it as hard as you can. It turns <laughs> right. into four. Right. You know, right? So, um. But where was I going with that? Yeah. Um, attention and uh, I think I lost my... Focus. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. That's yeah, the focus, no. right? <laughs> right, that's, that's the focus. About. Yeah, that's the focus. Yeah, so I have... So one of the things Corey and I were talking about on the phone just very recently, Corey, who is our older brother, mm-hmm. is about your ability to process and regurgitate information. Yeah. You... you we explained it to ourselves oh you know yeah. because we're like why is silas so um what's the word when you're good with your words articulate <laughs> articulate why is he so articulate why was why did silas develop this vocabulary what like so i was talking to him and we were we were trying to figure this out and i was like maybe it's because and you can correct me on this mm-hmm. or not when when I was growing up, I had Corey. I had four what four other siblings. Yeah, right. Was mm. it four or three? <laughs> well, I mean three, right? So I had three yeah, other guess, siblings. Yeah. Four of us total. So we were all occupying each other. We were doing all this nonsense, playing. We you know ki- things kids do. You just had kind of you and your younger sister, our younger sister, and you guys were just because the rest of us had kind of moved away, right? And as you were growing up, you were just. So what what did you do? What do you do you sit at home and read the dictionary? <laughs> like what what turned um, Silas Jackson into Silas Jackson do you think? Your ability to study. Like what's where are you getting your knowledge from? Um I would say I read a lot more um due to a mistake my dad made. Well, it wasn't a mistake he made. It was something he did, you know, unthinkingly. Uh one school year um he was in the library cleaning some things out and he left a bunch of books on my desk because he was just moving stuff off the shelves and i came down and i was like oh dad was mu- must expect me to read these mm. so i read them, <laughs> just read them. <laughs> yeah and um they were some good books because dad had he had some books in um he had some books in there on a lot of apologetics type stuff Mm. And I think the first book I read on apologetics was one of those books he left on my desk. It was a book by um, an astrophysicist, Dr. Jason Lyle, and it was titled The Ultimate Proof of Creation. It was a very interesting book. Hmm. Basically, it made the, the presuppositional argument that you see, um, which is that basically there's no, there's, no base, there's no foundation for the laws of logic without, uh, well, at least within the evolutionary framework. And so it's like, you know, you actually can't reason you can't expect your thoughts to have actually any value other than like, I don't know, like why, like why, like explain this to me, like why are the thoughts in our mind any more significant than like the wind in the trees? Yeah. Right. Well, that's true. Right. Well, unless, right. So, and my answer would be, 
as a creationist says, <clears throat> um, it's actually, I think it's in um, Timothy. It says, we were not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, sound mind. mind. Yes, right. So I have that at the foundation of my belief system. With the evolutionary system, things happen randomly and on accident and you kind of fail upwards, which I, I mean, you know, there's just, there's no, there's not much of a guiding principle behind it. There's no logic behind it. And so why should we have any faith in our logical faculties? And so basically that was the argument that he True. made. Ah, that's a good. So it's like, you can't actually use these laws of logic to even argue against what I'm saying right now. Cause you don't have any foundation, you know? Basically evolution is saying that the most complex creature to ever roam this planet mm -hmm. just blew up from something, right? Well, just turned into what? It was dust. It was stardust, and it turned into a um, microorganism, and eventually created this incredible brain. Mm -hmm. And there's no mention this intelligent creation. There's we're not going to mention any kind of intelligent design when we look around us. Everyone wants to say, "Oh, who made that? Oh, well, it just blew up. It, it well, came. It evolved." I mean, <laughs> you could came. say that, and I would say it's um, it's it's a bit. You know, it sounds funny. It's almost an oversimplification. But the thing is, like, what they, the way they think about it is they kind of need one miracle is mm. how they look at it. We need one miracle, the first living creature. We don't know where it came, like, we don't really know how it got here, but it got here. That's the one miracle. You give us that and we'll explain everything else is kind of how they Make look up at it. the rest. Right, right. And so what they rely on is the, mostly for the most part is the random mutation and then the... Um, selection of species like sexual selection and for like more you know uh, I don't know viable or um, viable or how would you say imp I don't know better evolved species so mm. things like that but the random mutation thing is weird to me personally because it hasn't it hasn't been able to be replicated in a laboratory and even when we do see mutations in organisms like for example some flies they have a mutation in some flies that makes them more resistant or almost um almost completely resistant to certain um pesticides and poisons mm, okay. but it also makes them largely infertile and so it's not even in that case a net gain or improvement for the organism it's not this beautiful yeah. evolutionary mm -hmm. that's interesting so back to the original question. Yeah. So you, dad made a mistake. <laughs> well, left a bunch he left of some books. books. Yeah. <laughs> he left yeah. a bunch of books laying around and you started just reading. So you read, do you still read? Um, not as much anymore. I've been. Where boy. do you get your knowledge from now? Um, I would say, to be honest with you, I get most of my knowledge from just, um, I still do read uh, a little bit, mostly the Bible though. Um, but I get a lot of my knowledge from just ex experience, like when I go and I do something stupid and then I learn that that was stupid. Mm. Like a lot of it's just, just living now. Um, I do have some books that I've been meaning to read. I got a book as a gift for my 20th birthday, but I, I started and I haven't, I haven't picked it up again. Yeah. Heck? Yeah. But it was a book on, uh, <laughs> why your twenties matter and how to make the most of them, I believe. Ah. Yeah. So I should probably, probably get on wanna, that. You might want to look into that. Yeah, yeah. I can give you some examples of why your 20s matter, but yeah. 
I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. It's lessons learned. Sometimes, sometimes life lessons like that, like the individual almost has to go through those. No matter how many times people tell you, you know, you yourself, like you said, you have to be observant of the people around you and the mistakes that they're making. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to consciously make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. You have to have people in your life who are willing to set boundaries for you and for themselves and tell you what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. Please don't do this. Please do this. Please try. Encourage you towards the right path. Like you said, set the bar very high. Let them try to jump towards that. And if they fail or if they shoot a little low, it's still a success because they're aiming high, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of lessons like that when you're young, you know, they need to be You just have to go through life almost. Mm -hmm. It's great if you have good people and good examples all around you. You know, that's always a plus. And that's how every adult should strive to be, you know, that great example for the younger generation coming up. You know, we're not, you have your moment. You know, this is something adults need to understand. You have your moment when you were 20. You (laughs) had that time. It's over now. It's time Mm -hmm. for you to be the professor with the glasses mm-hmm. and teach some people some <laughs> yeah. things. And if you don't have that ability in your older years, if you're still, you know, want, wanting to be one of the cool kids when you're 60 years old, we have a problem. If I can't come and talk to my dad, like our dad. You mean like yeah. hippies from like the 60s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's yeah. cool, man. It's like, no, I need knowledge from you. You know, I need, yeah, like, give me what did something. You, what did you learn, you know? Nothing. Like anything. And that's learned how to use too. this apple then. Like, <laughs> Like men like our dad, they almost, they just don't exist anymore. Almost no. nowhere, you know? Like I've never met anyone that I thought I was like, yeah, this guy, he's, he's, he's on my dad's level. And I just, I don't know if I ever will, to be honest with you. Probably not. I think um, everyone needs to fail also. Yeah. Like for to, cause you don't want to be a person that's like succeeded your whole life and then one day you actually do fail at something. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that person handle failure? Yeah. Horrible, <laughs> well, right? I think, I don't think necessarily being the person that like succeeded a bunch and then failed like is bad unless you're the kind of person that is unwilling to fail. And what that means is that you're not willing to try basically. Right. And that's, that's my suspicion is that's why I think your twenties are valuable. Cause like right now, like if I die, just hypothetically, if I die, it doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is like, no one depends on me. Like no one needs me in any sense. Like if dad dies, okay, we got financial problems. Like we got, <laughs> we got real, we got like economic <laughs> problems. Okay. If Jackson I, family. If I cool. die, somebody's just going to get everything I, ha- you know, like no one's going to, no one's going to go hungry. So no one needs me in that sense. And I think that affords me a lot of flexibility because i can take risks that are only gonna really hurt me right right without hurting the rest of my family like that so they're valuable because you get to experiment like that and you have to be willing to like like when i get into something i'll be like okay like if i do this wrong it's fine like i'm gonna get it like like usually i have my mind made up i'm like yeah i'm gonna make this work one way or another like if this is wrong i'll I'll find another way to make it work Mm. But I'm willing to fail. You have to be willing to fail. And when you accept that and you're not afraid of it, then everything's just a lesson. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you messed up. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do it. I'll do it right next time. Oh, I messed up here. It's like, all right, well, I, you know, I got 10 years before, you know, people expect me to be a grown up. you know? So, right. and that's the thing too, is like, I'm 20 years old 
and sometimes I forget. But like, that's pretty dang young. Like it is. It's pretty young. And people don't expect you to have it figured out. You know, you're not expected to have it figured out. And you won't have it figured out, you know, and that's fine. And I don't have it figured out myself. I have a lot of... Is this my phone? Oh, it's dad. Oh, I told dad I would text him when I got here. And we jump right into the podcast. Well, hey, you know what? That's a great time. I want to take a quick commercial break. Okay. We're going to be right back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Silas Jackson. Okay, so I ended up breaking this podcast into two different episodes. The first one you just watched and we filmed. The second one is going to come out at a later date, and I will let everybody know when that happens. And then there was a third bonus episode that Silas and I did right before he left. It was just one-on-one, he and I in here. And I'll also upload that uh, after the first two episodes come out. If you get anything valuable from these episodes and from this podcast, if you like anything that you see, please go down and give it a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and uh, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. That would be greatly appreciated, and we're just going to continue to do what we do here, and we appreciate everybody watching. So until the next time, we'll catch you guys in the next video.